Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Carlton Rap Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Tommy and Oz, as we look to have a bit of a preview at the round one matchup against Richmond. Like every single year, thank you for joining me, Pommy. Tell me a bit about yourself, how you came into the Carlton world when you're not even, you know, an Australian background. It's pretty pretty unique and pretty special. Uh, I suppose it is, yeah. Um, I, I fell in love with the game through family. I married into a Carlton family. Uh, my father-in-law pretty much laid it down to me that I have to be a blue bagger because I'm a pom. Uh, so that offset the... Uh, the blow that his uh, beloved daughter was marrying someone who was English. Uh, fell in love with the club. Um, Richmond versus Carlton sticks out. That was my first game in 13, actually there, seeing Judd go mental. Uh, and then pretty much the passion grew from there, really. Uh, I, I knew that I wanted to understand the game a bit more. And then, long story short, you see me on Blue Abroad, you see me on Pominoles, and now you see me here. Uh, I've I've become a little bit of a staple for loving the game. So, yeah, massive AFL fan in general, but obviously Carlton are my first love. Well, I guess you you're quite a strategy man, and you you love sort of looking into the draft groups coming up, the prospects. Tell me how you sort of got into that, and what interested you in that area of the game. Yeah, I think that comes from my round ball. So um, being a Rangers fan, first and foremost, before I was a Cowan fan, uh, obviously the SPFL doesn't have the big budgets of the EPL and the big leagues. So genuinely, you spend a lot of your time looking at the, the lesser known leagues, the young kids coming through the academy and things like that. So it's something that's always been kind of how I watch sport anyway. Uh, and obviously the AFL is kind of, that on steroids that's the only way really most teams repopulate their list so it was something that i really enjoyed doing and i found when i first got into the game you couldn't find anything about the young kids you used to hear everything about the top 10 players but then after that it was kind of like no one knew anything so yeah it was just kind of maybe that need i had to know the answer and then yeah, i suppose it's what i'm known for isn't it the draft it's it's what people associate my voice with What's what's your favourite memory so far as a Carlton supporter? Because I guess you said 2013. I mean, from that period on, it hasn't. You haven't really seen anything. Now, I mean, neither have I really. But like, what's what's the memory that sticks out the most, whether it be good or bad? Uh, well, obviously, if we take 13 away, uh, I would probably say, believe it or not, and it might shock most people to hear this because it's a bit of love for David T, but probably the Brisbane game uh, when Cripps went off, I, I'd say that is something that really does stick out because we were so low, I think, emotionally at that point. We'd just uh, been battered by Essendon. We just sacked another coach. I think everything was at the lowest it's been. The rebuild was on the precipice of falling apart. And I think the high that you experienced the next week was just amazing, wasn't it? You, you'd gone from the lowest you'd ever been so you've just beaten one of the top sides in a canter. It was a really good feeling. And I think that says how bad we've been for 10 years that I've picked out a 20-point win to Brisbane as our highlight. Yeah, I, it's it, it really is that way. I thought, like, you think back and you only think of, like, these weird, like, there'll be these round 18 games you'll think of, geez, that was amazing. And otherwise, nothing else. But now, look, we're going to hope things turn our way. But let's look to the 
pre-season so far, what we've seen, they played St Kilda, I think three weeks ago now, one by seven points. I mean, that was more of just a trial and a trial and error sort of game. And then obviously the Melbourne game, which was held a bit more importance to all of us, I think. And I think we all struggled to go into it thinking it's a practice match. I mean, I know myself, I took it really seriously. Like I, 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 you know, no one wants to lose at all in general, but like, I just thought it would be good for that group because the last, you know, two or three years, they generally go into round one on a loss in the preseason. And you, you might look at it and think, geez, that's not, doesn't matter, fresh start. But I was quite happy with it. And without sounding too optimistic, I was very pleased with what I saw out of the preseason. Give me your thoughts on it. What did you make of it? Are there improvements? Are there obvious improvements that will actually make a tactical difference going into round one? Uh, I mean, uh, to answer your question like easily, I, I thought even to the naked eye without looking at any numbers, I thought you'd, you'd have a hidden agenda if you watch Carlton Football Club and say that they hadn't looked like they'd improved anywhere. I, I thought this was the first time I've ever watched Carlton and actually said, Jesus, they've maybe worked on something in the off-season. And I think it was evident. I, I mean, I, I think the most obvious one with the St Kilda and the Melbourne game, we won the tackle count. So that is a huge one. Carlton in the last 50 games, which is the Teague reign, have only won the tackle count just only, only 16 times. So that is a huge thing. I thought the tackles around the ground were obvious. Um, scores from midfield chains, we were bottom two. We're now averaging 71 points. Um, from that alone last week against Melbourne. And the tackles inside 50, only 17 times have we had players with more than one inside 50 tackle and it was one of 10 times in the last 50 we've had 10 inside 50s or more, which are the, probably the two major stats that you look at for the top eight. So I thought that's one thing we've heard power a lot from Voss, powerful brand. I thought we got that. It's the first time I remember a coach telling me they've worked on something and we've actually seen it. I remember last year, that was a big thing Teague said, inside 50s, pressure. And we were averaging three inside 50 tackles and you were kind of like, oh, well, maybe it'll happen in the season. I think the big thing to be confident about is they've done it in practice. So that says to me, it shouldn't be too hard for them to replicate that in a game. Well, I mean, I, I totally agree. Those were the things I sort of noticed. The St Kilda game, just the centre stoppage work. I mean, there seemed to be a, a system that was just repeated time and time again, which it stood out because, like, generally, you never we've never seen it. It's always find either Crips or Walsh and then go from there. That's it. And that's all you expect and you don't know where it's going to go. Whereas now they just worked in like really good synergy in that midfield. They knew where it needed to go, which I've never seen so far. But I don't like to get too optimistic because you never know. It can go into round one and it just completely falls apart. So that's why I just, it's good things to see. Definitely the pressure against Melbourne stood out by far. I didn't expect to see what I saw. It was like, they took it seriously, which I'm really happy they took that game seriously for at least three of the four quarters. They had some intent in the way they played, whereas we go back 12 months ago to that St Kilda game and it's just trial and error. It's just another trial and error game. And 
I think when you concede 126 points, it's nothing to be smiling about going into round one. So I was very satisfied. In terms of the forward, the forward line, it was a, sort of a bit of a talking point. What's your ideal lineup just across the whole season when you look at a forward line? Because I think we've got quite a lot of options, tall and small. Well, I think based on pre-season, I think you'd probably be looking at Fisher, Charlie Kerno, Jay Sol, Sturden, Harry and Owies as probably your starting six. I mean, I would say if I was a betting man, I'd say that's probably the starting six pending injury on Thursday night. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of options, though. I do think that while Durden and Owies uh, are very good, they're very pressure-based, particularly Durden stood out, I do think it lacks probably a little bit of creativity, and that's where I'll be keeping a close eye on Mr. Motlop. I think he, he, he stood out a little bit in the VFL game. Um, he's got that X factor. He is a kind of player that I think Carlton can afford when they're at full strength to play and know that all he's got to do is a bit of magic. And I think that that will complete that forward lineup. Always endured and bring that pressure and that intent. They're very good at doing that. Always, for me, the most underrated player last year at Carlton, led our inside 50 count in tackles. He, he brings what we lack. Um, I think Motlop is that gloss that we don't have. I think we've got two genuine superstar forwards, Kerno and Mackay, and I'd imagine there's no AFL team that wants to play them every week. And I think that holds us in good stead down the back. People worry about Liam Jones, but whoever's replacing Jones, whether it be Young, whether it be McDonald, and then there's rumours that Marchbank is being groomed for that role should he return with injury. They're playing on probably the two best combinations in the AFL. They'll be up there in people's rankings. So that holds us in good stead. And I think it's a real, I think it's a complete list. I think when you look at our list, it's complete. There's You've been a bit finicky if you want to add to it. I think as it stands, it's a very nice list. I mean, I've got two questions. Firstly, how long would you give Motlop to make a statement? Because I mean, I, I personally haven't watched him. How long do you reckon it will take for him to work his way up? And second, someone who's a bit, I think he's under the radar at the moment, someone like Lockie Fogarty, what, how do you rate him in terms of someone who can transition from, you know, the middle to the forward line, you know, under the circumstance where someone like Durden or Owies isn't performing very well? Um, well, to answer the question about Motlop, I think that he can play round one uh, for me. I think that kind of skill set, small forwards, probably the easiest job in the AFL to downplay it. It's easy. And I'd go back to prove that. I'd look at someone like um, Gryron Myers at Geelong, um, someone that was taken very late in the draft. He was taken around 57, I think, from memory. Very similar skill sets. He's nippy. He's got X factor. He's got high IQ. He does the unthinkable. He's basically a Audi branded Eddie Betts to start his career. He does the ex exceptional. Motlop, you can hide players like that. I think the top teams hide players like that. They know he's not going to do it every game, but it's that five minutes. And when he has five minutes, he can kick you a goal. And you saw it against Melbourne when we were under the cosh particularly in the third when we shelved our forward line. That's where Motlop comes in. If you are under pressure and you bang it in on the boot inside 50, the ball hits the deck. And that's what Mackay did really well in the first half. He brought the ball to ground to his forwards. 
that's where Motlop could snag your six points and suddenly just edge the momentum away. So for me, I think Motlop would be someone... I'd be shocked if we don't see him by round five, to be honest. I'd be shocked if he hasn't been thrown a token game and said, look, go out there and have a bit of fun. Um, as for Fogarty, I like Fogarty. I think he's going to be someone that we're looking at now as the next best. I think potentially he could have an argument to get into the first team, but if he's our 23rd player, Carlton have improved. And I look at Nunes as well, another guy that 23rd player, a guy that we signed probably for depth and became best 22. If you've got Nunes and Fogarty as your next in line, that only improves the juniors coming through because if they can surpass Nunes, they can surpass Lockie. They're both experienced boys. They've played a decent amount of AFL. That is a good thing. But I do like Fogg. I think I've got a feeling Voss will pick a 22 based on opposition at times. I don't think he'll pick it on who's playing well or who's in form. I think sometimes he'll do horses for courses. So I wouldn't be surprised a heavy contested side. You do see Kennedy and Ed Kerner suddenly come out. But then I wouldn't be surprised that if you play a doggies, he probably drops Kennedy and goes with bringing Walsh in for that game and says, look, we'll go a little bit more expansive and take them on one for one. So I think it'll be an interesting time moving forward. I think Voss will be a bit of a tinkerer. Well, it's it's relieving to see a bit of versatility within the squad because I feel like in the last couple of years, it's... Well, it's been it's at, it's it's always at the point where they just recycle the same squad again and again and give the same guys chance after chance when they haven't proved their worth really. It's it is you know it is a bit calming in a way to know that you can go in and maybe see some changes for a good reason. So I do agree with you know, what you said about Voss changing it up. I think it will be a week by week basis. I I don't know. I just don't think the same squad is really a great idea against, you know, we saw that against teams last year that really ran us off the park due to the, you know, squads not being really manageable against others. We'll look back at last year, so 2021 round one, I went into this thinking we were going to lose and we sure did. I, I've, I've never gone into round one thinking we'll win. So the, the final score was 105.80. So we lost for 25. It's very similar to 2020. Yeah, 2020. I, you know, I came out of that very, like, I expected what I saw. I expected them to stay with them for the majority of the game and fall away at the end. I'll talk to, this is the moment, and I don't know if you remember this, this is the moment that told me we weren't winning that game. It was Harry Mackay, marking, turns into the goal square, gets caught for holding the ball. And we're only down by four points. And it was like the third quarter, the start of the third quarter, and... I said to myself, that's it. That's your game. Because I, and I knew mentally Richmond had it over, over us at that point, regardless of what happened for the next 40 minutes, 30 minutes. But what was your take on that game? I mean, it's a long time ago now, but what do you remember of that? Well, I think when people talk about preseason, doesn't matter. And I, I, I tried to push that message this year a lot on Blue Abroad and on my own show that don't read too much into the results read into what they're doing a little bit more. And I remember when, if you go back, it was St Kilda and Essendon from memory in pre-season. Um, and we looked really good going forward. But then we ran out of legs both times in the fourth quarter. Like I remember St Kilda, my wife was watching it with me. 
getting excited because St Kilda just started taking the Michael really in the fourth quarter. Like if that game had gone on any longer, they could have scored 200 points. And then you saw Richmond, you saw that for a half, it looked pretty good. We were going, if it was a boxing fight, you'd probably split the rounds. But then that fourth quarter happened and then it was probably starting to happen 10 minutes into the third. You saw they just weren't as fast. They just couldn't keep running. Everyone looked a little bit faster at Richmond all of a sudden. And that was kind of the catalogue of Teague, wasn't it? it? It looked good for the first half. Then the second half, fatigue started to set in. And other teams suddenly looked better when 10 minutes ago, you thought, we're a chance here. And I agree with you. I think when they started to get tired, they made silly mistakes. I always remember that Geelong game in 2020. Everyone raves about Eddie Betts. But that fourth quarter, Carlton were begging for that final siren. Like they, they were dead on their feet and Geelong were playing basically cones. And it was Geelong's inability to score. It wasn't, Cowan didn't do anything. It was just Geelong couldn't get the ball through the sticks. So the Richmond game, I thought, told us a lot, but it wasn't a surprise when you went through preseason. If you actually look back on what the boys were doing, the writing was on the wall. They, they couldn't play four quarters. And ultimately, we had the season we did, which I think a lot of people have said there's faith in that season. I actually put last season up there with 2018. Because 2018, we were just rubbish. Where I mean, you look at some of the names on that 2018 list, it's hard to believe that they were actually professional footballers, let alone talking about systems. Some of them guys on that squad were, were garbage, let's be fair. Aaron Muller. <laughs> I was just going to say Aaron Muller right there. And I just said that name stuck out for me. I was like, that's a bloke who should not be getting a run in a senior team. Do you mean played 13 games that year? And and I remember we delisted him and I was like, we have played him literally every time he's fit. How is he how is he being delisted? But there were so many players that year. Sam Rowe, God love him. He, he's a trier, but is he 17 games worth of being a footballer? Mullet and players like that, Cam Polson, Gartler, 12-11 games, Darcy Lang, Cam O'Shea, I think he made double figures. There's a lot of banter in 2018 on the list. But in last year, that list isn't much different to this list. With the exception of Chera and Hewitt, it's pretty much the same list. But that's why I hold it worse than 2018, because I thought last year they were in pole position to make finals. There was no excuse. They were a final side. History tells us that demographic wins. And I thought we fell well short. I don't care what the ladder says. I yeah. thought we were miles away in terms of ability. So I think the Tigers game was the warning that we probably didn't know. And then obviously we had the Collingwood game. And if anyone wants to ever say Carlton could have made finals, watch the Collingwood game, because that was probably the worst performance ever by a blue side. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like 100% agree what you said. I, I'm more, I'm, I wouldn't, to me, I don't compare it too much to 2018 because I think, it was just a coaching problem. So I'm not like, I want to see if this, because if this group performs well under Voss, you clearly, I, I look at 2021 and I can erase that quite comfortably. Otherwise, if they don't under Voss, then I can say, well, then it's a player thing. But I, I, my thing with the fitness, and that was that was something that killed us heaps. I mean, that Sydney game stands out. I mean, we're only down by like three goals and there was 11 minutes left and they gave up. They still didn't bother and they were well within reach of coming back. 
that Melbourne game, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that was just them just taking it, taking the foot off the pedal or not. But I'm starting starting to get the sense, even from the St Kilda game as well, that they're a team who wants to get ahead really early and they'll stamp their authority within the first quarter or so. So they have some breathing space. So if they do fall flat, they can make up for it later on. That's the way I'm going into it this season, which I'm, yet again, it's optimistic. I don't know if it's really their intent, but it's a good intent, I think. I don't, what do you think about it as a sort of a way to attack the game? Well, I think that the P word at Carlton is why we've been rubbish for five years, and that's pressure. And one of the most underrated forms of pressure is scoreboard pressure. Um, an archetype of Teague's game style is a lot of inside 50s. And that was a, a big thing Teague used to pick out on. We won the inside 50 count. That is all well and good. But if you can convert them inside 50s, scoreboard pressure does some things to people. And I thought what you saw Carlton do, and not many people have talked about it against Melbourne, is in the third quarter we were peppered, but we were outscored by, I think, nine points from memory. Um, we controlled the footy and we were able to control pressure being brought to us because of that scoreboard pressure, we could afford to make a mistake because we were so far ahead. And when you have that luxury, it's a wonderful thing. Teague's sides, third quarter, they always used to claw it back. We're expelling energy, though, while the opposition stood in place in their system while we're working frantically. So I like to see that Cowan had a bit of control in the third quarter. They could control the footy. You saw players start to use the ball a bit and go backwards and say, look, you know what? You've got to chase us to catch us up. We can hold the ball all day. We win the game. You need the ball firstly, and then you need to do something with it. We can mess about and kick from side to side for an hour if we have to. That is something that I think is an understated part that Voss seems to bring. We'll talk about Richmond more in depth, but you saw massive changes in Richmond already with what Teague's brought. An interesting thing from Richmond is they've never been a marking side. It's one of the things that Melbourne don't do, and it's because modern-day football, you don't kick mark. Kick mark is very labour-intensive when you turn the ball over, and that is why Carlton fatigued last year. It was such a long distance to travel when you turned it over. Players got tired. Players love the handball now. That's something that Teague loves to do. Richmond, last week, they had a lot of marks. It was one of their highest marking things. It's one of, the, one of a handful of times they've had over 100 marks in the game. And a lot of them were in the final third of the ground, where Teague now is a coach. So that is a very interesting thing. Mel Richmond's two things you know them for are counter-pressing and the counter-punch, their scores from turnover. They love it. That is something they've added to their game. So that is something that I think Voss will look at and say, our game style can tire them. If we can get 20, 30 ahead, that's a very labour-intensive game style for them to maintain if they're chasing us. So that is a very good addition to Voss, the control. Well, let's let's look into Richmond's side, sort of, you know, compare and contrast as we go with our side as well. Let's start right in the middle of the centre center of the ground i'm not i'm not too sure what to expect from richmond because you've got people like dusty who can either go you know in the middle or up forward and that's someone that i think can be a bit unpredictable on the night we look as well jack graham Pressier's probably we're not too sure on yet camden mcintosh cochin and shane edwards 
Who's the biggest threat in that midfield that will... I'd say who can change the game really quickly. Not someone who will get the stats, just someone who will make a really big impact and make it life difficult for us. Well, I mean, Richmond, you've got to remember, it's only a couple of years ago that they were by far the best team in the comp. But, I mean, looking at the pre-season, Dustin Martin seems to be spending a lot of time in the in the guts. 73% of centre bounces attended, spent about 80% of his time in the midfield, which, which makes sense, I think, to what Richmond probably are building there. A guy that probably doesn't get talked about who spends a lot of time there, and I have a lot of time for, is Jack Ross. I think he's a very underrated footballer. He's a guy that probably, when you look at that side, he doesn't stand out, but he's a guy that can impact the game. And then you've got Koch and McIntosh, probably one of the most underrated footballers in the AFL, Cam McIntosh. He's, he's a workhorse. It's a very good list, Richmond, even if you take a few of them players out. And when you've got Dusty, he's... He's that guy we were talking about, like Jesse Motlob, has the ability to make something happen when it shouldn't. And he'll be a guy, that, if you've got Dustin Martin in your team, you're never losing a game all the time. He can bring you out of the depth. And he does it all the time for Richmond. There's times they lose games, they should lose games. But Dusty gets up and about and you see it affects the team. They're like, Dusty's on. All we've got to do is get the ball to him. So... And they're a threat. They're a threat, but I just don't think they're as good as they used to be. And I think there's writing on the wall from the preseason and how they structure that. The sands of time are undefeated, as they say. They, they, they never lose. Father time wins every fight. And I think there's hope there for Carlton that we can hurt them because Hawks hurt them in the corridor, through the clearance work, through pressure. There are three things Carlton brought in abundance in the preseason. And the Hawks, let's be honest, are bottom two. So, Carlton yeah. should fancy themselves. Well, I mean, when I look back to last year, the, the thing I thought that killed us, and, and this is where, you know, we look at getting ahead, the scoreboard pressure importance is, like, they killed us in transition on from turnovers. And I think that's probably, I, I mean, I can't say off the top of my head, but I would assume that's where they got quite a few of their points from, is that turnover transition through the middle because their winners would always push out wide. They'd have two or three that would jet through the middle and then they'd have options that would just, you know, lead out. And we were pretty slow. And especially, you know, it came down to those last quarters and we'd absolutely fall apart and we could not keep up with them. They're quite a fast team. Whether they're the same this year, you know, it's to be seen. They still have quite versatile players who are able to move out of their positions and, you know, move forward in a completely different pattern that they weren't even in to begin with. I guess when we look at the most important things to keep stable in during the game when we're transitioning to, you know, make sure there's no turnovers and we can get back in transition, who are the, you know, who are the most important guys that make that change? For me, it's someone like Hewitt that I think can make a really big impact stopping that turnover transition. But who, would it, who, who is it for you? Uh, I, I think it comes partly down to the way the boys move the ball as well. I think what you saw, my highlight against Melbourne was Mitch McGovern, I thought, summed up the new Carlton. He made two horrific mistakes in the first 10 minutes that resulted in goals. But the intent was there. That corridor kick, take the game on. 
when you're under pressure, the worst thing you can do, and this is what we did under Teague, was we go long and we give the ball back. The best thing you can do is somehow find a way to break the line and get out of there. And I remember last year, just looking at the numbers now, Richmond scored 45 points more than Carlton from defensive turnovers, which is huge, is huge. And that's what they're known for. I think that is something that they're very good at. Their ability to transition the ball as well hurt Carlton. 45 points from defensive half turnovers. That is amazing. Like That is nearly half their score. So what Carlton need to do is what they did. You see Mitch McGovern, he looks for that corridor kick under pressure. Then you saw Saad being released by hand and saying, look, you know what? We can't kick through it. We can't handball through it. You're the fastest man on the planet. Run through it. And that's what Carlton did really well against Melbourne. They got past that first line of defence. Once they were out of there, everything changed because then the team has to adjust you're playing against. That's what we. I think our back line is underrated. And I think when you add Doc to that, who's another guy that likes to take the game on and is confident with ball in hand, I think Carlton have got a lot of tools at their arsenal to offset the threat. And I think that is going to be the big thing with Richmond. They're happy to concede possession because they're back themselves in with players like Jaden Short, who can get the ball off half-back, three kicks later, it's a goal. That is what Carlton need to be wary of. But the way you beat Richmond is not being scared. And you, Mitch McGovern, whoever it is, has to make that mistake at least once or twice. And then the third time he hits the target, he carries on doing it. The minute Carlton resorts to kicking down to the flanks, which is what they did against Richmond in the fourth, game over. Richmond get the ball back, they score. So that is where I'm looking at. And I think Saad, Saad will win us the game. I think. I think Saad is going to be the man that wins Carlton the game against Richmond. Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting, Clark. And there are quite, I think we, when we look at someone who can win the game, I don't see anyone in the guts winning the game. I think it's one of those halfback win players that will sort of, you know, determine the flow of the game. I think the thing I saw last year was with, you know, the guts of the ground is that if Cripps wasn't communicating, neither was anyone else. And I think that's why I'm not, I'd like some more reliance on the guys on the outside to make more of an impact and direct them around. That's the way I'm looking at it. We're looking to Richmond's forward line, our back line. I, I'm, I think Richmond's forward line is quite similar to us. I, I'm like, I, I, what I saw last year is that they'll go in, try and find their tools but their smalls are equally as dangerous where they'll crumb and, you know, they'll find something and snap, whatever. I think we do that like equally as well as Richmond. And I've noticed that's even improving. You know, you saw Durden always popping up with a couple goals, but they didn't have to do a lot. They just had to wait and time themselves and get in the right positions. And they, you know, they got the reward. A quick overview of Richmond's forward line, of course, Lynch, Raywalt. We're going to expect Dusty a tiny bit. With, you know, I think Castagna might come in or Sydney Stack just due to some of their outs, not too sure. Shane Edwards, oh no, sorry, not Shane Edwards. Shy Bolting and Kane Lambert. What's the most important thing for the back line to make sure of? Because I know I thought this last year, I thought you need to place an emphasis on winning the ground ball when it comes in because you're going to have to accept that you're not always going to win every 
contested mark that goes up. So Lynch and Rewa are going to score, but you can limit their scoring by winning that ground ball. But what's the biggest factor for you? I, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that what Richmond do really well is, I think Richmond have one of the, when you look at the stats, Richmond are the most one-dimensional attack in the AFL because Lynch and Rewo are the fourth and eighth most targeted forwards in the AFL. So it's literally like Richmond reveal their game plan. We're kicking to them two guys. So that'll come for Carlton in another way. Castagna, his entire contract is based on playing Carlton twice a year. He loves playing us. He feeds at the feet of Rewalt and Lynch. So Carlton know that the ball's going to hit the deck. I think hope for Carlton is we set up around the fall of the ball incredibly well. That is a big improvement under Voss. We don't assume the ball's been marked anymore. We have people out the back and in front of the contest in case the ball spills. So then you're looking at whoever your lockdown is. So whether that's Plowman, could be Boyd. We know that Voss has got a soft spot for Boyd as a lockdown defender. You've got Stocker to come back. He won't play round one though, but that is going to be an important battle. Who is going to be the guy who stops it? And I think Mitch McGovern may be the third defender in this one. It's going to be incredibly important he does what he does against Melbourne. And that is looking to intercept because that is where Richmond floats it in the 50 to Lynch. You're looking at whoever that third is to get there before Lynch does and intercept it. And if Carlton can do that, you take a huge scoring chain away from Richmond. They don't like playing the ball inside 50. They have a method. It is that target into centre-half forward. If Carlton can take that away, it kind of opens the rest of it up. Yeah, well, it is. It's so one-dimensional. There's, actually, there's, like, there's not actually a lot to talk about when you look at their forward line. And they've done the same thing to us year after year. Nothing actually changes, at least drastically. So um, I, I don't know. I think you can prepare very well for this game, but I think when you're actually in it, I think Richmond are really good at changing things really quickly. They're quite unpredictable going up in foot. Like, as much as they'll look for Lynch and Rewalt, you don't know where their smalls are sometimes, and that's sort of where it's not as predictable. So I'm interested to see how quick we are to change and that's what I've liked seeing from the preseason where Melbourne got on top really quickly and we quickly switched it which with Teague five goals you're out you're done, like game over so it's more of a coaching thing I think it will be interesting to see how Voss approaches it during the game rather than before the game because I'm still not even too sure what to expect from Richmond because I didn't you know I said to you before that I hadn't really watched them after like the first game because they pissed me off that they beat us every time and I just don't watch them. Is it, I mean, do you see that in the same way where it's more of a coaching aspect during the game rather than your actual preparation? I, I think they're going to have to be reactive. I think the way Richmond play, they pride themselves on, even though it's like a one-dimensional inside 50 approach, their ability to lock the ball in and not leave until they have six points is still up there with the best teams in the comp. They're, they're, they're proficient at it. They're so good. It's a ruthless energy that they have. They, they are a very together outfit. So for Voss, he's going to have to be looking at many ways to skin that cat. Is it Sad running through that traffic? Is it Dot trying to take the corridor kick on? 
is it something that we saw against Melbourne, which I did enjoy, and that's bringing Pitt into the back line and saying, look, let's try and cram some tolls here for a bit. Let's take away their aerial supremacy. That is going to be a lot of things that Voss is going to have to do because Dimmer is very good at trying to just keep niggling you. It's a little bit like Glenn McGrath as a bowler. They just niggle outside off stump and eventually a, def a defender will take the bait. Once it happens, Richmond gain ascendancy. That is what Carlton are going to have to do. But the way to beat Richmond is be bold. You have to be bold down the back. You, ha you have to be able to transition because they're so good at it and they're so good at locking it in. They're not a clearance side. You'll get domination of clearance. That's one of w Richmond's weaknesses it has been for the last five years. But they're quite happy for you to ping the ball inside 50 from centre clearances. They transition and hurt you that way. So that is where Carlton are going to have to win the game. They're going to have to say, look, we can out Richmond Richmond. Which, in the preseason, watching us against Melbourne, who were good, versus them against Hawks, Hawks found ways to score. That last quarter, they scored at will almost. So that is the thing that Carlton have got to hope. We're better than Hawthorne. We can do it. We can do it. A quick little question before we move on to their back line. In terms of how many goals we can concede, I know this is a very open question. What is the amount of goals you reckon is the max you can concede before you've lost to Richmond in a way? I think Carlton will be looking at 70, saying 70 points. We can keep them to around there. We can back ourselves to score 100. And I think that, that yeah. is what they've got to do. I would say if I was Voss, I'd want to go in at half-time, 18 ahead, and say, look, we now can control the football from here on in. We're ahead. We go goal for goal, we win this game. That's all you've got to do. So I think it's going to be how we start. If we can put a bit of pressure on and get in Richmond asking the questions early, I think that's it. But I think if you can keep them to 70, you're okay. I think Carlton have a list that can score 100 regularly. You know, I, I, I agree. I would have said around 11, 12 goals, which with a couple points is around your 70s area. Any more? Uh, I, I don't know. It depends on the type of game. If it's a close game and both teams are around, then you sort of excuse it. But yeah, I do agree. On to Richmond's back line. Rhymes is pretty much out of, you know, out of question at this point. I don't think he will play. And on to round two from what we've read. So I'm not too sure who's going to come in. We've got, I've got Broad Bolter. Bolter's someone they probably would have wanted to put up forward a little bit just to add a third tall. Makes it, you know, it gives them a couple more options, but I don't think that's going to work anymore when you've lost someone like Grimes. Uh, halfback, short, Robbie Tarrant, who's a new inclusion over from North. A veteran, I guess you could say, in that backline position, and Nick Vloston. They still scare me, their backline. Uh, I've got to be honest, and I think we've got quite a bit more versatility this year, but with Grimes out, that's quite big. I think in terms of a game that Charlie can have such a big impact on, it's this one. Because I, I, what I've seen is that Harry does not have to have a seven-goal game every week now to give us a shot, as that's from the preseason. What's the turning point? Where, where, you know, where do you create most your chances? I think Cowan will look at that game um, and be, if, if Grimes is out, they'll be looking at Mr. Gibkus, Josh Gibskus, their first pick in the draft. 
he's he's going to have a very important role all of a sudden. Suddenly, he's going to be thrust into the furnace. You'd imagine Tarrant will probably get Harry. He's done it for North against him, and I think that that's probably what they'd look at. I think then Charlie, he's probably going to be floating with Broad or Gibkus. And I think that is where, like you say, someone needs to get inside the head of Charlie and say, bully him. He's a kid. Do you know what I mean? Have no sympathy. Make him regret it. You let him know that this is the big boy stuff now and really make Dimmer have to protect him. And that's what Carlton have got to do. They've got some talented players down the back, though, and it, it, people are right to be scared. It's This is where... The majority of their points come from. It's the six blokes down their back and their ability to use the football. Jaden Short, for me, one of the best players in the AFL. He's an absolute phenomenal player. And if he gets his hands on the ball 25 times, you probably lose the game. So it's going to be interesting that the forwards, what they do, does he play Durden in that role of every time Jaden Short gets the ball, I want him crunched. And take that avenue away and say, look, he's their best ball user. Let's remove it. A bit like St Kilda did with Geary against Cow and with Doc. Yeah. Maybe play that role and say, look, live with him. Does Voss maybe say, you know what, well, let's put Ed Kerno there and say to Ed Kerno, every time Jaden Shaw gets the ball, tackle him. That's all you've got to do. But there is a lot of worries there. But I think Grimes is a huge out, a huge out for Carlton because I think Tarrant can't keep up with Harry, which means whoever goes on Harry is going to have a bad time. And I can't see Gigkus or Broad giving Charlie much trouble. And they do like to rotate. When they have played traditionally under different coaches, they rotate. One thing I noticed with Voss is he's copying Port Adelaide. They rotate the matchups very, very, very frequently, which is what we used to talk about when Port beat us. Carlton get used to the same matchup, Port change it. They like to float different players through different areas. So I think Cowan have got the advantage in that forward versus defence battle. It's about maximising it. And Gibkus would be the guy I'd target. I'm like, I'm actually happy that we're talking about Richmond struggling in terms of our tours because I think the way we'll win it is through our smalls, funnily, because I remember, I mean, last year we killed them with our smalls. The amount of goals off of, you know, just ground ball gets when the ball, you know, contested, contested ball would go in and it would go to ground. We'd kill them. And, you know, I remember, like, O'Brien, Owie, oh, no, Owie wasn't playing at that point. A couple of smalls I do remember that were popping up and scoring just around the contest. I think we still have the upper, you know, the upper hand because Richmond smalls get sucked into the ball very easily in anticipation of transition that the ball will come out and they'll get it. That's the most, I mean, that's the most important thing for me. And, Someone, I think, yet again, I'm going back to 2020, someone who I think will have quite a big impact on this game that can you won't expect to have the impact is someone like Jack Martin. We're assuming he gets into that 22. He's someone I think you don't expect a lot from him, unfortunately, anymore, but we know the talent he has. And I think with Richmond, assuming the ball will go to someone like a Harry or Charlie, Jack is very versatile and he'll be able to run in, get open space, good with you know, good in the air, good with his hands. That's someone for me. I don't know. What do you think, Smalls? Who's the biggest impact? Yeah, you know, I think, if Durden, play, I, I think if Durden plays, I think he'll have a say in this game. I think watching yeah. Durden versus Melbourne, he targeted all their better ball users. And before he had that little niggle, 
I thought he was probably close to best on ground. I, I, I thought for importance because he didn't give up. And sometimes people get misguided with tackles. You don't sometimes have to make the tackle. Just knowing you're there is enough. And if you watch Carlton play for the last five years, just them footsteps do weird and wonderful things to the ability to kick. And I think if you're if you're a Jordan Short and Durden's on the field, you know every time you kick the ball, he's going to bump you at the end of it. Every time you get the ball, that annoying little guy is going to be there. I think he'll be important. Then I look at Owies as well. Um, I think he's he's going to have a part to play. Last year, it was Mickey Gibbons. And That's who I couldn't think of, yeah. Yeah, it was Gibbons who was having a field day. Owies and Durden are 10 times the footballer Gibbons is in the forward half of the ground. So they're too important. And it might be the day we talk about Motlop. Voss might surprise us all and go, you know what? Here's your chance, Jesse. Here's your shirt. Go out there. Have a bit of fun. Because I do think, and I think Martin's going to be a guy, like you say. I think Fisher, really relishing football at the minute. He's going to be another guy that will probably pop up with goals and fancy himself. And there's a lot of players there at Carlton who, if we had them in the dressing room now, said who's going to win the game, probably 15 of the 22 are probably going to put their hand up and say it's going to be me. Yeah, it's a fair it's a fair point. And there's so much optimism. I just don't want to come out of this and we lose. I'm like, oh, this bloke didn't do anything. This bloke didn't do anything. It's all hopeful. Final segment, expectations, predictions. I'll quickly start with what I think, and I said this to you before as well. I think if it's a close game and we're going in, let's say, relatively similar to last year, let's say in the last two years, I think Richmond have it over us just purely because of the mental aspect where they've been able to run us out of the game with the remaining 10 minutes. I think the way to win in this is like the last two practice matches. You need to start well against them. And I know we've done that. We did it in that 2018 year with that list where we got off to a five-goal start. But a five-goal start with this team, I'd back us much more to sustain it. I know I'm going to assume Richmond will come back at a point, but I think, like you said, scoreboard pressure does a lot to a team. It'll, you know, they'll put a lot of effort into getting back into it and it comes to those last five or ten minutes. And, you, you know, you've got a bit more energy than you had during that time. So that's... That's where I'm at. If I had to put a prediction on it, look, I, I, I always say we lose. I'm going to stick with this and hope that I'm surprised. I'm going to say Richmond by nine. I mean, pro, I mean, I can see your argument. I can see why people are nervous. I mean, I would say I, I can't understate the importance of this game. I, I think this game is that 2017 Richmond versus Frio game where they were having a bit of a bad run. And suddenly, the questions that the press were asking, oh, we've seen this before from Richmond, flattered to deceive, they lose, and they go in their shelves. They finished that year really strong and never looked back. I think for Carlton, the big question mark anyone's got is, all this list has started zero and one. Always. Richmond talk about it as this is Carlton's grand final. That is saying where we are as a football club. People look at this and go, well, it's Carlton's only game on prime time. They'll enjoy the day out. I think psychologically this is a big thing. But if I was the coach, I'd be looking at this game and saying, you've just beaten 
the best midfield. So people have made excuses for Melbourne. Melbourne have been very adamant this year that they're coming in this to win it. Goodwin's words. No one remembers you winning one flag. It's about doing it the next year. They've come in with a bit of intent. Against North Melbourne, they were ruthless. The difference between us and North Melbourne, we pressured them. We pressured them at every opportunity. It wasn't easy. North Melbourne are in a rebuild. We're a finished article. Carlton should be looking at their midfield versus our midfield. Melbourne's midfield versus Richmond's midfield saying we dominated that. We dominated the best midfield in the comp statistically in Melbourne. We should batter Richmond. That is psychologically what I hope they think. What do I think happen? I think it's going to happen two ways. We're going to lose. Option one. Option two. Carlton run away with it. And when I say run away with it, I'm talking 40 plus. I genuinely believe that in the bottom of my heart. I think you'll see a lot about these boys that I saw it with Cripper in the third quarter. The chest started to puff out. There was that mentality in Crips of, I'm back. I'm back. Against Melbourne, it was bullying Oliver. Kasaya Pickett loved it. It was Cripper going, you know what? I'm back. This is my time. That is what I hope the boys have. And I hope Voss channels it. Half-time counting a 20 ahead. My team talk would be, just remember how many times we've gone off this field and they've laughed. Let's, let's make them suffer. Make them suffer. I want 60, 70, 80, 90. I want Dusty to take a break because he can't play football anymore because he's so down after that loss. That is where Carlton needs to go. And I, I, I'm honest, it'll be a loss or Carlton win by 40 plus. I think, and I think yeah. it's the latter. Call me stupid, call me mental. I just think this is the time now these boys have to right a wrong. Zero and one, one and zero looks really good to them boys. Friday morning, waking up, turning over, kissing your wife, one nil up will feel a lot sweeter, a lot sweeter for them boys. And that's where the belief will start. They'll be like, we're always zero and one. We're one nil. We're, we're, top, of the, we're top eight. Round one. But I think it's a big thing. Punish Richmond it because is. they've punished us. They're ruthless. They're vulnerable. Richmond aren't good anymore. It's the brand name that makes them good. Let's leave it at that. That is the perfect, that's a perfect outro. We only, you know, we're just going to go in optimistic and hopefully leave round one optimistic as well. Thank you for joining me, Pom. Really appreciate you. your time. Everyone, leave your comments down below. What you think, predictions, who stands out, your final score. Thank you for joining me, Pom. Look forward to talking to you again soon. And until then, go Blues. Go Blues.